and he checked me <laughs> and he reminded me who, whose Bowen really was. And it's in moments like that, those intimate and precious encounters with him that really let you know who he is and how powerful he is. And it also helps us to realize he's yours first. He's just on loan to me. He's just, he, he, he I'm to steward him well, <laughs> to train him up. And I counted a, a privilege that you would give these two boys to me to train up and to steward. And oh, anyway, um, so I'm going to keep going. <laughs> Verse 3 in Genesis 22. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there, Shaha, and then we will come right back. Okay, so what is so powerful here is that Abraham recognized whose Isaac truly was. Okay. But coming along with our theme, okay, in Genesis 18, we see that Abraham bowed low. He worshiped before the messengers. Um, and then after that, his son came, Isaac came. So worship miracle. Then in chapter 19, Lot bowed low. He worshiped when the angels came to deliver that message. And then he was delivered out of Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay. So worship, miracle, worship, deliverance. Then we see here in chapter 22, worship, and then Isaac was spared. So we have a miracle and he was delivered off of the altar and a ram was found in the bush. And I, so here's three beautiful, like boom, boom, boom examples back to back in Genesis, therefore laying a powerful and firm foundation right off the bat in scripture for how important worship is when you do this then you can expect to see this. Ooh, ooh, it's so powerful. Um, mm, mm, mm. So let me keep reading in um, Madeline's notes. Um, yes. So at the age of 100, God fulfilled his promise and gave Abraham a son, Isaac. Then God tells Abraham, take Isaac, Isaac up to Mount Moriah to offer him as a sacrifice. Upon his journey, Abraham tells the servants to stay there so that they can go worship and then they'll be back. This is the first time the word worship is used in scripture right here when I just told you Genesis 18, um, 2. And then um, it wasn't until 
we see a man laid on the altar that the word worship was used. Okay. You know, um, when God is about to do something really big in our lives, he's going to call us to deep, deep worship and intercession. Um, I want to read to you Exodus 23, 24 and 25. Um, hang on one second really quick. I'm so sorry. My son, the sweet one that I was just talking about, um, needs his needs us to come pick him up. Okay. So Exodus 23, hashtag real life, hashtag you can do this too. If you have a message bursting within you, here's your sign (laughs) to obediently do whatever the Lord's calling you to do to get it out and let your voice roar. Okay. All right. Exodus 23, 24 and 25. 24 says, um, if you must If you, sorry, you must not worship the gods, lowercase g's, of these nations or serve them in any way or imitate their evil practices. Instead, you must utterly destroy them and smash their sacred pillars. You must serve only the Lord your God. If you do, I will bless you with food and water. Oh, somebody better write that down, highlight it, underline it. If you know where we're headed, I, if you serve me, if you worship only me and you have destroyed all your altars before me, you will never want, you will never go hungry. You will never go thirsty and I will protect you from illness. Thank you, Lord, for your word. I'm just going to, I'm I'm just going to go on into 26. There will be no miscarriages or infertility in your land. And I will give you long, full lives. Okay. When you serve and worship him and only him and, and, and in partnership with him, you have destroyed all the idols um, in your life. I'll tell you at the end of this podcast, what mine was. I have more, but this is a, a, a big one. Um, then you, there's nothing to worry about. <laughs> He's going to take care of you. So, um, it was, okay. So I want to just pick up kind of like right here, um, where my notes are or where Madeline's notes are. So it wasn't until a man was to be laid on the altar that the word worship was used. Altars are places of sacrifice. Um, When we establish an altar, we are giving God our sacrifice. When we are giving God our sacrifice through worship, we're establishing an altar. Um, Upon being asked where the sacrifice was by Isaac, Abraham told him that God would provide himself with provide, God would provide him with a lamb for the sacrifice. After laying Isaac on the altar, the angel of the Lord stopped Abraham and they saw a ram. That was the provision after the worship. God was testing Abraham's heart. Catch that. Everything is always about the heart. 
In worship, we declare after um, inventorying our hearts that nothing is more value of more value than God. That's what we're doing in worship. To worship is to be willing to put even the most costly or valued things in our lives on the altar. To worship is to is to be both Isaac on the altar and the Abraham willing to put the Isaac of our lives on the altar. It was here on the altar of Mount Moriah that Abraham gave birth. This was powerful. That Abraham gave birth to the priesthood of all believers. In that, it was here that the door for global salvation was opened. All of this, all of the miracles of salvation and the deliverance that would follow was first a sacrifice laid on the altar. I remember when seeking God, this is in my notes, sorry, Madeline's notes, (laughs) the person who's writing this. I remember when seeking God about this and I asked him why he wanted Isaac on the altar. And he told me that altars were not just the place of death, but of marriage. In worship, we marry ourselves back to God. To worship thus is to refuse every other lover, every other idol, and consecrate ourselves again back to God. At the altar, it was as though Abraham was looking up to God and rejecting the autonomy of the garden, stretching forth his hand saying, we want to walk with you again. What is significant is that in ancient times when two men wanted to make a covenant, they would have to lay down or sacrifice the same thing of equal value, like two male goats signifying that both were in agreement with the covenant. Abraham took his son up a mountain, extending his hand up to God the Father, desiring a restoration of garden life. A few thousand years later, God the Father took his son up another mountain and led him on the altar, therefore extending his hand back to Abraham, sealing the partnership that would be unto global restoration. Oh, do you even catch the brevity of that? Do you even catch it? I'm literally delivering this message on worship. And I just read a parallel of how first it was Isaac on the altar. And then 2000 years later, it was God. And I'm reading this during Holy Week. I was like, Lord, why can't I compose this podcast? And he's like, come journey with me. Come journey with me. And two days after the journey, he says, now deliver my message. (laughs) And it's during Passover. It's during Holy Week. Jesus's entrance into Bethany in Jerusalem. We find this in Mark 11. It was such a powerful, powerful week. um, Let me see. Let me flip over to Mark 11. Mm, mm, mm. Mm, mm, mm. I really want to read it. I really want to read it. Um, but for the sake of time, um, mark it in your notes to go read, especially like if you're, if you're listening to this right now during Holy week, um, it's powerful as he, as he enters into Bethany, 
you, okay, I have to. I'm sorry. I have to read it. <laughs> I have to. The Lord just said, read it. I'm like, but the time, Lord, it's going to cut me off again. He said, read it. I said, yes, sir. Okay. So here's 11. Where do you want me to start, Lord? He said, start it. Verse one. Okay. As Jesus and his disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the towns of Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into that village over there. Oh, you know what? The Lord just told me to stop and read this in, um, in the King James Version. So excuse me <clears throat> while I do that. I have to pull it up on my phone. Mark 11. Okay. And when they came nigh to Jerusalem, Jerusalem unto Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sendeth forth two of his disciples and saith unto them, go your way into the village over against you. And as soon as ye be entered into it, ye shall find a colt tied whereon never man sat. Loose him and bring him. And if any man say unto you, why do you, why do ye this? Say ye that the Lord hath need of him and straight away he will send him hither. And they went their way and found the colt tied by the door with, without in a place where two ways met and they loose him. And certain of them that stood there said unto them, why do ye loose the colt? And they said unto them, even as Jesus had commanded, and they let them go. And they, and they brought the colt to Jesus and cast their garments on him. And he sat upon him. Okay. So Jesus is on the colt, on the colt now, and he's about to make his way into Bethany. And many spread their garments in the way. And others cut down branches off the trees and strawed them in the way. And they that went before and they that followed cried, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest and Jesus entered into Jerusalem and into the temple and when he and when he had looked round about upon all things and now the eventide was come he went out unto Bethany with the 12 and i actually looked up the word um hosanna and the word hosanna in the greek is hosan Hosanna. I can't pronounce it, but it, it is, um, it is a word that means, um, savior here. Let me pull it up. It mean it translates, um, Oh, save Hosanna. Oh, save. And it is a, it is a, an exclamation of adoration for Jesus, the Messiah. They're recognizing him as the Messiah, as he's going into Bethany. This is the beginning of the Holy Week. And what happens next is he, of course, has to deal with the Pharisees. He is going to clear the temple. He will first, he um, curses the fig tree. Then he, he turns over the tables in the temple. And then um, he just 
it, it, the story unfolds all the way up to the cross. And it's so prophetic. Okay. Deliverance and miracles come after the sacrifice. Mm. If you need a miracle, bow low, worship, shaha. If you need a miracle, cry out Hosanna and recognize him as savior. Get on your knees or face in a prostrate posture, a posture of humility. God exalts the humble and he will recognize that in you. So just in case you didn't know, like I didn't know before my journey with him. And that's why he didn't want me to release this podcast until after it. Worship is a really, really big deal to him. A couple years ago during the time, during like just, just normal time in the, in my prayer closet with the Lord, the Lord showed me through numbers that he wanted me to get off of my stool and get on my knees to pray. He did. And my precious husband built me, built me like this precious little kneeling bench so that it would ease the pressure on my knees when I would pray. And then the Lord said, go lower. And I'm like, lower God. And he said, prostrate. (laughs) And so on my face, I went, I did, but I didn't understand at the time that this was a powerful form of worship. I was just being obedient. But what the Lord was doing was testing to see if number one, I would be obedient. And number two, I would humble myself before him. Not long after that, the accuser of the brethren had stirred up a good lie about me. Ooh, oh my gosh. I'm just now seeing the prophetic crossover because I just said after his entrance and the people cried Hosanna to him, he had to deal with the Pharisees in the temple. And right after I bowed low, there was, I'm going to, I'm just going to continue telling you this. The accuser of the brethren had stirred up a lie about me before attempting to clear up the situation. I, I, he had taught me what to do. And so I dropped quickly to my knees and prayed. And after that, the Lord had worked in a miraculous way in the person's heart to forgive me and see the true deception behind the accusation. A miracle had come after my worship. Recently, the Lord took me back (laughs) to a precious memory as a little girl at my old Presbyterian church on John's Island, on John's Island, South Carolina. He showed me a picture of when I was about seven years old at vacation Bible school, and I would stand so proudly on (laughs) the 300 year old wooden pews. Could y'all imagine your child doing that today in this antique church? And I would just sing at the top of my lungs, fire up, fire up, Christian fire up. Keep the fire burning in your soul, fire up. I can remember as a little child, just screaming this at the top of my lungs over and over and over again as we were being led in song. And the Lord told me recently, like, as he had me remember that he said, even then you were waging war in the spirit. And man, that was powerful. The word says in John 4, 23 through 24, that we are to worship in spirit 
and in truth. This story comes from the woman at the well. So I'm going to read now from John 4, 21. And then um, I'm going to go all the way to 24. Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman at the well, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him. For salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed, it is here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those. Did you catch that? Who will worship him that way? For God is spirit so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. What she was worshiping was an idol and she was going nowhere. Her idol worship kept her in bondage and her iniquitous past kept repeating itself. But when she met Jesus face to face, like I have, she was never the same, like I wasn't and went on to tell everyone like I am about her encounter with Jesus, the Messiah. Scripture tells us in Revelation 19.10, this is John. Okay. This is John um, in Revelation talking to an angel and I fell at his feet to worship him. But he saith unto me, see that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God for this for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. When you testify to the good news of Jesus, you carry with you the heart of prophecy. And when you have the spirit or heart of prophecy, you can't help but share the good news. Jesus is the common theme among all prophecy. All true prophecy bears witness about Jesus. Okay. So true prophecy should lead us back to worship to worship the Messiah. That's how you can tell if you're receiving a false prophecy or a true prophecy. We worship what we give our heart and attention to and what we give our heart and attention to, we therefore worship. People are not to be worshiped. Okay. Write these down. People are not to be worshiped. Angels are not to be worshiped. Idols are not to be worshiped. Things are not to be worshiped. Feelings are not to be worshipped. Feelings. Okay. Our children are not to be worshipped. Our boyfriends, girlfriends, and spouses are not to be worshipped. Money is not to be worshipped. But where you put your money is a form of worship. When you give generously to the church or a ministry, that is a form of worship. So where are you worshipping with your money? Do you see where I'm going with all of this? Worship him in spirit and truth and in the secret place. One day while sitting and praying in my prayer closet, the Lord began to teach me Hebrew. He would show me symbols through visions and I would write what I saw on my paper. The first letter he gave me was Shin or Sheen. How he gave me this was he showed me three flames. He then said, connect these flames together at the bottom. He then said, find what I've shown you in the Hebrew alphabet. I was absolutely stunned. Like, 
Is he truly teaching me Hebrew right now in this secret place? He is the all-consuming flame and fire. And his power is quite literally unmatchable when you begin to worship him. Another way I worship is to surrender. Surrendering to his timeline versus mine. Surrendering to his will versus mine. Surrendering to his perfect plan versus mine. Surrendering is a huge trust builder and a major sign of humility. And it's through times of surrender that he is really inviting us into more maturity in our faith. It's an invitation to take us from glory to glory with him, from one level of knowledge and understanding to the next level of knowledge and understanding in him. It's quite miraculous and it keeps me in a state of awe and wonder. That's called the fear of the Lord. And scripture says, where the spirit of the fear of the Lord is, there is wisdom. Another way I worship is to walk in obedience. Recently, I um, like like beginning in October of last year, I kept hearing over and over and over again the Lord say, "Radical obedience, radical obedience, radical obedience." I was like, "Dang, Lord, I hear you." <laughs> but why He was saying that was because at the crossover of the year, He was about to deliver the multiple births He had me carrying that I had been pregnant with this my whole life. Honestly, he was about to reveal to me his plan for the first five months of 2023. He told me that in January, I would begin this podcast. In February, I'd begin my first 40-day fast with no food. In March, I'd begin writing a book. In April, I'd be getting my real estate license. And by May, I would begin a new business in real estate. And sprinkled in amongst all of that, every Wednesday in the middle of all of this for the last year, he has so graciously allowed me to lead a powerful um, prophetic ministry where I mentor and disciple women into powerful spirit-filled life transformations. I'm not going to lie. I cried when I heard him say all of that. I said, that's too much, Lord. And he sweetly reminded me, for you it is. <laughs> I love it when he does things like that. For me, it's not. So now you see why on January 9th, he said, I'm going to teach you how to worship. Worship is an absolute necessity when it comes to walking intimately with him. Worship creates intimacy, which then leads to a powerful connection to him. That connection to him is a powerful key to being handed the keys to heaven. Whew. Thank you, Father. Thank you so much, y'all, for spending time for spending your time um, listening to this podcast on worship. Um, Father, I just thank you for this sacred time. I ask for a special, powerful sealing of this word and that you go beyond me and that you um, lead your 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 just your treasures from heaven into true worship. Lord, teach your people, bring them, call them back into the secret place and teach them to worship. I pray um, special blessings over you and your family. I pray health and abundance over you. And um, thank you for being with me.
And Lord, we just, we give you all the honor, the praise, and the glory. Until next time, thank you for being with me. Thank you for um, just being in this sacred place with me. And um, come back for the next one um, and see what God has in store. Because I hope that you can see by now that friend, you were definitely made for more. Love you all.